0: to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Plenty to get to. This one might be a little bit longer. We'll see what happens, but uh, plenty going on, plenty to comment on, and a few things to bring to everybody's attention. First of all, I want to start by kind of making some comments and a few warnings, and again, some pattern recognition here regarding the Texas border and the Arizona border and the New Mexico border border and the California border and the border the whole border issue. Um, I'm going to start with that first, but I've got some uh, crumbly parent news certainly that I want to get to. And again, just off the top here regarding the actual trial itself, it is now taking place. The uh, The jury, of course, has been selected and and the trial is ongoing as I speak right now. If you're interested in watching it live, it is on YouTube, and it is on the Law and Crime Trials channel, so type in law and crime Law and Crime Trials, and you'll be able to find it uh under the live links there. Um, I'll get to that in a little bit later as well. and then I have a few education related stories that again continue to just show the level of stupidity within these school districts and these buildings and and the just the horrible policies that they continue to employ here. Uh, And then a few jab-related things as well, and some news updates regarding some upcoming dates. I think that are
1: rather important. Okay, first of all, the Texas border stuff. Uh, Look, this is a
0: no-brainer, as far as I'm concerned. This is this is very straightforward. We have the constitutional right as Americans to defend ourselves. We don't need government to defend ourselves from foreign invaders period. The Second Amendment clearly states that that's the case, and we get to do that no matter what laws, quote-unquote, exist or what violation of laws are currently taking place. Now, just the other day, of course, Greg Abbott signed some letter and wrote a letter and, uh, you know, making fun of Biden and we have the right to defend ourselves as, as Texans and blah, blah, blah. I find it remarkably hypocritical that, Everybody bashes Greg Greg Abbott, and rightfully so, because he's owned by Jews and certainly owned by Israel and blackmailed to the bone. There's no doubt about it. He wouldn't be in that position if that wasn't the case. But for some reason, people make fun of him, and then all of a sudden he becomes the hero to people because they're like, yeah, our governor's doing the right thing. This back and forth nonsense that goes on is disgusting, and it's continuing to show the level of. I would say, unaware behavior, again, that's that's putting it mildly, regarding the everyday American citizen. Greg Abbott is not our friend. He just isn't. None of these people are. It doesn't matter how many governors and how many ever states put out a tweet or a letter that says, we side with Texas, we stand with Texas. That doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And again, I'm not trying to talk down to anyone who who thinks that it matters per se. I'm just trying to tell people that it doesn't matter. Again, I've said this kind of stuff on Gab that, you know, words mean very little in moments like this. They can galvanize people, yes. It can motivate people to action, hopefully. But at the end of the day, it's individual and collective action on the part of the citizens that's going to make the biggest amount of difference. That's the real issue here. Which now brings me actually to this, and I want to read, I'll I'll tell you what, I'll do this first. I want to read Abbott's letter because a lot of people haven't read it, aren't reading it, or they're just posting it on their social media without even reading it. So this was dated January 24th, and it says the following, quote, the federal government has broken the compact between the United States and the states. The executive branch of the United States has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws, on the books right now. President Biden has refused to enforce those laws and has even violated them. The result is that he has smashed records for illegal immigration. Despite having been put on notice in a series of letters, one of which I delivered to him by hand, President Biden has ignored Texas's demand that he perform his constitutional duties. And there's three bullet points. Number one, President Biden has violated his oath to faithfully execute immigration laws enacted by Congress instead of prosecuting immigrants to the federal crime of the federal crime rather of illegal entry president biden has sent has sent his lawyers into federal courts to sue texas for taking action to secure the border point 2 president biden has instructed his agencies to ignore federal statutes that mandate the detention of illegal immigrants and the effects to i'm sorry the effect is to illegally allow their en masse parole into the United States. And then point three, by wasting taxpayer dollars to tear open Texas's border security infrastructure, uh, Texas's border security infrastructure, rather, President Biden has enticed illegal immigrants away from the 28 legal entry points along the state's southern border bridges where no one drowns and into the dangerous waters of the Rio Grande. Before I keep reading the letter, I want to focus on that last point. The last point almost doesn't matter because even with the illegal aliens coming in, they're walking through these entry points because the entry point doors are wide open. Again, letters like this don't match the video on the ground that I put in the war videos that endless people are putting on either TikTok, YouTube, and their own social media, where it's clearly showing. You have National Guard cutting their own wire and letting people in, and then you have border security doing the same thing and border patrol doing the same thing, and then you have the entry points with the doors welded open and completely open where endless people are walking in, and then you also have video of razor wire going up in particular places. So which is it? What's actually going on there? Now you have this entire entity of Texas truckers going down to Texas and going down to the Texas border. I'm telling you, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. What is that going to do? That's going to entice any kind of a false flag. That's going to entice any kind of an actual attack. It's provoking such things because, again, what are those truckers really going down there to do? This isn't the Canadian trucker thing. That's not what this is. This isn't the German farmers and their tractors thing either. This is different. You're actually taking truckers to the border where illegals and drugs are. And certainly weapons. Are all of these truckers to be trusted? Not to mention when they get down there and they flash their lights and they honk on their horns, what are they actually going to be accomplishing? Are they going to be shooting illegal aliens? Is that what's going to happen? Is that why they're going down there? Because frankly, and I'm going to be frank with everybody, if they're not going down there to do that, then what are they doing? They're wasting gas. They're wasting their time. They're wasting, they're wasting their energy. The idea is to keep people out. That's the idea. The idea is not to let them in and or have a parade in the middle of it to make it look like we're doing something. All of this charade that goes on regarding all of these protests and and XYZ, I I think are completely foolish at this point. Again, the the trucker thing in Canada was completely different. It was basically a strike, is essentially what it was. It was a giant strike. We're not taking your your poisonous shots. That's not what we're going to do, and, and we're telling you we're not going to do it, thereby trying to remind government that we're not going to move your product. So here we are leaning on our horns around all these government buildings, and there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. That was impactful to a great extent. But this right here, this has trouble written all over it. So just as a quick little history lesson for everyone, back during the Revolutionary War, which got the whole thing kicked off and got the actual hot shooting war started, the colonialists knew that we needed a hot war. That was the only way that we were ever going to defeat the British, because again, with every passing day, the British were just bringing more and more people here, more and more supplies, more and more ships. Without having an actual hot war, we were just going to watch our slow invasion take place. That's the way it was back then. And what ended up happening was, it was arguably one of the first major false flags, as far as our own country was concerned, Is that we actually shot first. We shot first at the British. And then we told people that it was the British who shot first, but that's not what happened. We got the whole thing kicked off because we knew it had to be that way. The British were told to not fire unless fired upon. Well, we fired upon them. Now, who pulled the first trigger and how exactly did that go down? Well, that's been written about before in numerous books. One I would recommend. 13 Pieces of the Jigsaw by James Perloff. It's an excellent book, and he goes through it step by step. I'm not going to bring it up here on the show because I'd have to go get the book and then read the whole thing to you, and I, I don't want to do that. But you get what I'm saying. Regarding, re- regarding this Texas issue, it's the same kind of thing. Truckers going down there, again, assuming that they're all. Just individuals, and that they're all law abiding people, and they're not really there to pick up drugs and pick up people and then send that deeper into Texas and deeper into the United States. I mean, that's an issue in itself, but kicking off a hot shooting war down at the Texas border, this would be the way to do it. You have illegals bum rushing these trucks, or these trucks again bum rushing these illegals. Something happens, someone gets killed you name it, and then we're off and run it. So I'm just throwing those out as different warnings because I I think that that's on deck here. I just think it's on deck. I don't think writing letters from corrupt politicians to other corrupt politicians is going to solve a damn thing. I think time will tell with all of this, but let me continue with the letter. It says, under President Biden's lawless border policies, More than 6 million illegal immigrants have crossed into the southern border in just three years. I bet it's way more than that. That is more than the population of 33 different states in the country. There's that 33 number again. This illegal refusal to protect the states has inflicted unprecedented harm on the people all across the United States, and Greg Abbott was responsible for that. Remember, Greg Abbott was transferring these illegals to other states in the United States. So if you get killed by an illegal where you live, and that illegal came through the Texas border, you can thank Greg Abbott for that. Do you see how this works? Again, this is where people have amnesia. I don't have amnesia regarding Greg Abbott. I know exactly who he is. He's a criminal of the highest order. And now everybody's patting him on his wheelchair-bound back. I'm sorry. This guy is not good under any circumstance. He's a Mason. He's in with Israel. He's in with the Jews. He hates Gab. Gab has no place in Texas. Anti Semitism has no place in Texas. It's not a real word, Greg. Not a real word. And if you were a real governor, the moment, the moment that Joe Biden became president of the United States, you should have activated the National Guard at the border, finished the wall with your own budget and we wouldn't be in this position. But this is Greg Abbott. Again, on social media, everybody's like, oh, it's on now. Now it's on. Th- this again, too, is where you find out exactly what Amazing Polly was saying about all these pseudo-conservatives and these gatekeepers. They're the ones patting him on the back right now. They're the ones loving themselves a little bit of Greg Abbott. It's a bad idea says, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and other visionaries who wrote the U.S. Constitution foresaw that states should not be left to the mercy of the lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the border. That is why the framers included both Article 4, Sec- Subsection 4, uh, with promises that the federal government, quote, shall protect each state against invasion. And Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. Which acknowledges the states' "quote unquote" sovereign interest in protecting their borders. Arizona v. United States, five six seven U.S. three eight seven four one nine, in twenty twelve. In Scalia, uh, let's see, Judge Scalia was dissenting apparently in that particular case, and it says the failure of the Biden administration to fulfill duties imposed by Article Four, Section Four, has triggered Article One, Section Ten, Clause Three which reserves to the states to the state rather the right of self-defense for these reasons i have already declared an invasion under article 1 section 10 clause 4 to invoke texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself the authority is the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary texas national guard and the texas department of public safety and other texas personnel are acting on that authority as well as state law to secure the Texas border, Greg Abbott, unquote. Okay. Again, what's going on there and what's going on with these letters and politically and and so on and so forth, and certainly what the general public is talking about, even on Fox News. I mean, Fox News, you know, they're in on it too. They're in on the lie and and the misdirection and the deception also. They're out there, of course, and they're going, well, the National Guard's there, and and they supersede the Border Patrol, and look, they're putting up the razor wire. They're taking Texas back. That's not what's happening. It doesn't match the videos that endless people are putting out. I saw a video just the other day, and I'll put it in the Next War video, probably on uh, on Saturday night. But it's a guy who lives six hours from the Texas border, six hours from Eagle Pass, if, if memory serves. And he goes, look, he goes, we now have extended family members living with us as we are running night shift security on our property because we want to make sure that illegals aren't illegally trespassing. Again, I've said this on Gab and it's rather harsh. And I know that people would say, well, whatever, Sean, you wouldn't do that if you live there. Well, first of all, I don't know what I would do if I live there because I'm not there right now. But what I do know is that I would take all options into consideration here. But these individuals who own these massive farms and these massive properties that are, again, very close to the border or certainly a few hours away or even further than that, because as this, as this guy says, he goes, look, it doesn't matter in Texas where you live. They're coming toward you. So if I was them, I'd dig a hole, a real big one. And I'd arm up and load up. And that's exactly what he says, too. He goes, we got all the tools. He goes, we're all strapped up and we're ready to rock and roll here. This is what has to happen. If these people are on your property illegally, you have to do something about that. You're not there to communicate with them. You, you should assume they have knives, assume they're armed, assume they have guns, because not everybody who's crossing the border is being checked out by Border Patrol or by the National Guard. It's not happening. There are and have always been people that are just illegally crossing where there is no wall. And again, there are tunnels too. That exists also. That's always existed. We can't assume that all of the tunnels are gone. They're not. There's no way. So there's still individuals consistently making their way in here. And again, it's not just Texas. It's all of the border states. That's happening all of the time. Not to mention the airplane flights. They're being flown here. They're being flown here. This Abbott letter is a giant pacification of the gullible who believe that, again, something is happening when it's not. We have a Second Amendment to the Constitution. We're allowed to defend ourselves, carry a gun, learn how to use it, be prepared to use it. And don't negotiate with these illegals. What you do with the women and children is up to you. But there are some bad hombres making their way into this country and have been for quite some time. And they're not all Mexican. Let me give you an example. This has been proven to be the case now. This particular guy, you, you saw him in one of the previous war videos. He's on the border, and he's, again, bra- he's a dark guy, but he's, he's bragging about how people don't know who he is, and we're not smart enough to know who he is, And uh, but you know, but we're going to find out soon enough. Well, here's what this post says from the chants, and it has a picture of him, and I put the same thing out on, uh, on my Gab page. It says this is Maz, Mazsum Samadov chairman of the Islamic party in Azerbaijan, also on NATO's most wanted list in regards to terrorism. He was caught at the Texas border just hours ago. He said on camera, quote, you're not smart enough to know who I am. Soon you will know who I am very easily, very easily, unquote. And he was laughing, of course, and smiling as he said it. It says this is, this all but confirms that there's an organized effort to likely, by likely, and this is hilarious, Russia, China, Iran, and other countries to fill the U.S. with sleeper cell agents in preparation for one massive organized terrorist attack on U.S. soil. Really? You think it's Russia, China, and Iran doing this? How did he get here? Who paid for him to get here? Who owned the slave boats, ladies and gentlemen? Who who did all of the human trafficking and the slave running back in the 1800s? Russia, China, and Iran? I think not. This is a Jewish operation to destroy our country. But everybody's again, what, thanking Abbott for writing a letter? You've got to be kidding me. The traitors are in front of us all the time. They're everywhere. It continues, it says, quote, if this does not give you pause as an American, regardless of your political views, you're beyond saving. Prepare yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. 2024 is the beginning of the end for the West. If you do make it out alive, stay close to those you love and be thankful for the time you have left. Shit's about to get very, very real. Link below. And it's a link to the video of, again, him saying that you're not smart enough to know who I am. Well, we know who he is. And yes, this entire operation of sleeper cells existing, so to speak, or there not being a lack of coordination among people that are coming across is absurd. Of course, of course, they're coordinated. And yeah, it's not all of them. But again, they're given cell phones when they come here. They're given a card with alleged money on it when they come here. And if they're given a card and a cell phone and the card with cash doesn't work, well, then they got a cell phone and they're real pissed. And they're going to call each other and talk to each other. And those phones, again, have numbers. They're going to communicate with one another. Where are you? Where are you staying? What are we What are we going to do? And what if all those phones, again, got some kind of a message where they all had to do the exact same thing at the exact same time? So don't get sucked in by a letter. And don't get sucked in by... You know, uh, gatekeeping conservative commentators on on what they think is happening and how this is a great thing. A letter, all the letters can get written from here to Timbuktu. That's not going to solve a damn thing. When the, when when we see the same thing happening time and time again in a positive direction, that's when we know the right thing is going on. It's like chemtrails, for example. You know they'll be gone when you look look up into the sky. And you never see them again. When you see the bluest skies you've ever seen in your entire life, that's when you know the chemtrail operation will be gone. When we see a giant wall with cameras and a military presence at our entire border, not just again the business of Texas alone, but New Mexico, Arizona, and, and California, and at the exact same time, I should say, um, these organizations flying these illegals in and these airports in the United States putting these illegals up inside of the airports, when all of that goes away, then you'll know the right thing is happening. But that's not happening. None of that's happening right now. So just be careful regarding all of this stuff. Again, don't take the bait. Don't take the, uh, the flavor of the week immediately. And again, if the Supreme Court really ruled in the way that they did with Roberts and uh, and Comey Barrett making the decision that they made, well, then they're compromised. Cuz you don't get into that business without being compromised to some extent. We know Roberts is, Barrett of course is tied to endless NGOs. She wouldn't have gotten the nomination if she wasn't. And there you have it. So, there's a lot going on here. Again, a lot of people are saying that the the south needs to secede from the north again. That, uh, you know, this is a separate civil war and that we have the responsibility as individual states to defend ourselves no matter what and we don't have to listen to the federal government. And I agree with all of that. I agree with all of it. That's why the Constitution was written. It wasn't written so that we are designed to or enslaved by the federal government to follow them no matter what. The Constitution was written for us, the people, against the government. And therein lies the large misconception. People think that the Constitution was written to defend the government. It wasn't. It was written to defend us and allow us to defend ourselves from what the government is doing. And this is a giant government and multi-government operation. So it's no theory. It's a reality what's going on down there. And I would encourage people again to just be very careful with this trucker convoy thing, and and giving them money and donating their way. If if they really wanted to do something, they would drive straight to the state house in Texas, lean on their horns the way the Canadians did, and get Abbott out of his wheelchair and actually doing something more important than writing a letter, basically stating what everybody already knows. I don't think going to the border is going to help. Again, if they're looking to kick off a hot war, that's, I suppose, how you'd do it, but there you go. That's my two cents on the whole thing. Okay, here we go. The Crumbly case. Um, I'm just going to get past kind of the initial legal documents because trial is already taking place now. And here's what I've seen thus far. One of the individuals who testified here was the female teacher who was shot. This was the indi- this was an individual who was again wounded. There didn't seem to be any indication that she had students in her room at the time that she was shot. Uh, but again, she was sobbing on the stand and and describing the entire situation and everything. Uh, again, she was face to face with Ethan Crumbly for the most part, but. This is something that I think isn't working out for the prosecution. The the female prosecutor for Oakland County is, again, a deep state hack, without a doubt. She's, again, either blackmailed or she's being told, of course, to bring these charges against the parents. And I'm, again, going to state it again. I don't think the parents are guilty of anything. As you've heard me say, this is a gun grab. But they have this individual on the stand who was a, again a female teacher who was shot in the left arm, and it's it, it's not looking good for the prosecution out of the gate. All this does is is it shows as she's describing the situation, it describes the failures of the Alice training. She she said openly too that she was having a hard time with the nightlock door security apparatus that exists. And if you're unfamiliar with Nightlock, I've looked this up. There's a couple of different kinds of, of a Nightlock. Nightlock is is a name and a company, I guess. But you'd have to imagine this if, if you haven't seen one of these before. Imagine, essentially, a hinge that you screw in to the doorknob side of a door. So it's it screws in from the inside, and it basically is attached to the actual face of the door. And then the other end of the night lock rig is screwed into the floor right below that hinge. So the hinge basically slides into or on or on top of the hinge that is screwed into the floor. So that if a person is bashing in the door, they might be able to break the lock, they might be able to break uh, you know, the the deadbolt and the doorknob, but the night lock at the base of the door would keep the door closed. She openly discussed how it was difficult to get that to to lock into place. And and then again, she's not really testifying to anything else other than the fact that she was shot, a couple of text messages she sent a few people, and then the police response, and then that was essentially it. It it doesn't it doesn't blame the mother for anything. And then there was this interaction that I saw, again, where they came back from break, and the prosecution started to blame the defense for crying during the testimony of the teacher being shot by Ethan Crumbly. Because visibly, uh, Ethan Crumbly's mother, who is standing trial here, is, is visibly upset. She's upset with what's going on because, again, it was her son that did this. It wasn't her. She didn't do anything. Again, she's she's on trial for for pulling a trigger that she didn't pull. Again, this isn't this isn't her issue, in my humble opinion. But it just continues to show, I think, a lack of school policy, but also a disconnect from the reality of the case, which was a complete school employee uh, cave-in, so to speak, regarding what went on here. So. Again, there's you know there are a number of different things I suppose that I could bring up, but now that the trial is rocking and rolling here, I'm just paying attention to the trial specifically, and, and some of the testimony, and I'm going to keep taking notes, and I'm certain that by uh, Monday's episode, I'll have even more to bring bring your way. But um, th- this entire thing is, again is fascinating because if you're the prosecution and you're trying to make four manslaughter um, charges stick which they would all have to stick. I mean, there's no like, well, you know, they got off on three, but they were guilty of one. It's either an all or none kind of thing here. They have no choice, but to try to bring in an emotional aspect to it from the prosecution standpoint, because emotion is all they have. They don't have facts. And again, if, if, Mrs. Crumbly is going to take the stand, which apparently she's going to take the stand in this trial. That's going to be really interesting. It's going to be interesting the kinds of questions that are asked from both sides, certainly from the defense's side as well. But again, it was the prosecution that was blaming the defense for getting emotional and saying that the, the lead lawyer for the defense was sobbing her eyes out when she wasn't. And then there was a shouting match that occurred kind of between both sides with the judge present. And I, I think the judge is pretty much handling this as, as straightforward as they possibly can. Uh, she seems like a pretty level headed gal. But either way, um, I'll just bring more to your attention regarding that, I think, in the future. And th- the more that I watch and the more notes that I take on it, I'll be able to do that. So again, if you want to watch it yourself live, it's on the Law and Crime Trials YouTube channel. So there you go. Okay. Education stuff. First of all, Um, The Senate approved the overriding of the veto of Governor Mike DeWine in Ohio, so now girls pretending to be boys or boys pretending to be girls, more specifically, can't participate in sports anymore, which is great. Certainly not the sport of their choosing, whatever that may be. And uh, childhood genital mutilation is now illegal also in the state of Ohio. This takes effect in 90 days or so. So unfortunately, I'm sure that the whack job parents with their whack job brainwashed kids are going to be running to the doctor as fast as humanly possible to get their genitals cut off before the 90 days, uh, you know, before the 90 days is up, so to speak. And uh, there you go. But hey, Satan loses another one, at least, certainly in, in the state of Ohio. And yeah, all the trannies are screaming their brains out. And all the people who love childhood mutilation and are brainwashed to the bone are Upset about this? Well, too bad. Not today, Satan. Anyway, moving on here, there's also this one. This too, again, you can thank illegal immigration for this, and bringing endless illegals into numerous countries, including Germany. But this is from jihadwatch.com, or .org rather. It is titled Germany, at high school where students act as Sharia police. Non Muslim students are converting to Islam out of fear. Absolutely ridiculous. And here's what it says quote, High school students wanted to enforce ultra strict Islamic rules at a comprehensive school in Nuus and behaved like a Sharia police, quote unquote. They rejected democracy and put their classmates under pressure. BILD now learned from classmates. How the Islamicists put pressure on the school. It's a frightening event that took place in the middle of Germany. Around a year ago, several students at the Nordstad Comprehensive School in Neuss, if I'm saying that right, or Nice, something like that, um, North Rhine, West, West, West Pala, I guess, behaved visibly differently. The students noticed several classmates gathering on the school grounds for an Islamic prayer. Some young men, from this group, left school before classes ended on Friday to attend a Friday prayer at a mosque. Quote, there was a clear message from the teachers that they were not allowed to do, do this, said the, said a student to BILD. It says these are frightening figures for children, parents, teachers, and politicians. Even when Muslim teachers were called in and explained to the students, led by a 19-year-old ringleader from the 12th grade, that they could postpone their Friday's prayers as this was permitted by religion, this had no effect. A short time later, these students demanded a prayer room. Uh, there were complaints from other students that they were being pressured to follow Islamic rules. According to witnesses, the group didn't even stop at Muslim teachers at didn't even stop at Muslim teachers at school, it says. They were also warned for not complying with Islamic rules. In the school, it was subsequently observed how the number of girls in strict clothing increased. Several students followed the group's instructions apparently out of fear. Some Muslim students converted to Islam. The group then called for gender-segregated events to take place at school and during swimming lessons. It says, but that's not all. Quote, During lessons, you could see how the seating arrangements in the classes changed, said one student. The students were seated separately by gender, with boys sitting at the front of the class and girls relegated to the back. When they spoke to them, the students no longer looked the male teachers in the face. When the school responded, members of the Islamist group rejected the German legal system. According to Focus magazine, the group is said to have spoken of stoning as punishment for violations. However, the Dusseldorf strict government contradicts this representation After these discussions, the school called in the state security agency, which is now investigating. What a nightmare. What an absolute nightmare. And you have to keep something in mind if memory serves. Homeschooling is illegal in Germany. It's not something that can take place. You have to attend these government indoctrination centers, which apparently are being run by, and I can't believe I'm saying this one, Bolshevik Islamicists who are students So, the inmates are running the asylum. It's absolutely wild. If anybody thinks this is going to get better, certainly in those foreign countries, it's not, because it's not getting any better here in the United States either. Uh, There's this too. This is a bit out of left field, but I'll tell you what, it just continues to show the laziness on the part of school administrators and their lack of complete control in these environments. Again, the simple fact that they have to employ these kinds of methods is beyond stupid because they were the ones that invited the problem in to begin with. This particular story was sent to me by a listener of the show out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. There's audio here to play, and I will play it, and it is titled, Fort Wayne Community Schools Votes Yes on Cell Phone Pouch Pilot Program. If it sounds stupid, trust me, it is. But again, they think that this is somehow going to solve their cell phones in classroom problem. I mean, this right here, ladies and gentlemen, is about as dumb as it can possibly get. Because instead of teaching these children self-control and not grabbing their cell phones all of the time, you're now paying for these pouches to exist that make their phones inoperable. And you're assuming that what? All of the students are going to comply with this? Give me a break. Here's the audio to this in three, two, one.
2: Students need to be involved, invested, paying attention, or you're not learning anything. A new program to eliminate distractions in the classroom. Fort Wayne community school board members vote yes to a purchase of cell phone pouches. It was approved by all but one vote. The program will be piloted at four schools, Jefferson and Shawnee Middle Schools in Northside and Wayne High Schools. Here's how it works. Students turn off their phones at the beginning of the day and place them in a sealed magnetic pouch that can only be unlocked by special tools. FWCS will collect data from the pilot program to decide whether the pouches will be used in all secondary schools.
3: We have to do something about our use of cell phones during our school day, primarily because we know it's addictive. Uh, Second of all, it's creating bullying opportunities. We want to reduce those. We know we won't eliminate it, but we need to reduce it.
2: The program will start this year as school officials will have the materials in the next few weeks. They'll be purchasing more than 5,000 pouches, totaling over $120,000.
0: $120,000 for a magnetic pouch that locks your phone in the off position. It's already turned off inside of this pouch, and then you need a device in order to unlock it. First of all, what a waste of time. Second of all, what a waste of money. And thirdly, no one apparently has any self-control whatsoever. Apparently, they're not teaching self-control. Apparently, the families aren't teaching self-control. Let me take it a step further. The hypocrisy of all of this is over flippingwhelming whelming. I thought all of these school environments were concerned about safety. What about all these school shootings that take place, you know, like Uvalde in Nashville? What about all of these? Don't you want students to have access to their cell phones so that they can call home or call for help or call this or call that if there's an actual emergency taking place in the school? Do you trust the school environment to handle such a thing on their own without the intervention or participation of students? There are, there are endless avenues that I could take this down, but what a waste of money and what a waste of time. These are the dumbest people that, that I'm sorry, uh, the, the, the people that run these schools are just flat-out retarded. There's no way around it. Only they would allow for cell phones to be used in an effort to decrease the discipline that was existing with their already adoption of cell phones again you may recall i was a school teacher when cell phones went from being not allowed to be used by students and punishable with you know detention or after school suspension or in school suspension for misusing your cell phone or or what have you to them to again districts across the united states taking the approach of if we can't beat them join them So now we'll allow cell phones to be used by students because that will immediately decrease our discipline numbers and it'll make our school look like we're not as bad as we are. And now, what they've employed here is a separate method which costs money to try to cover up the problem that they invited in in the first place. This is how dumb these people are. What a waste of time. In the article, they even bring up, well, what if? Handicapped students or special education students need their cell phones either to track their medical progress or you know their blood sugar if they're diabetic or whatever it may be. Well, they get a different pouch. They get a completely separate pouch that's not locked, but actually has Velcro instead of an actual lock. So they can access their phones easier than somebody who can't access their phones. I'm telling you, this is a security failure, this is a waste of time, a waste of money like I said, this is beyond stupid. I can't believe that parents keep sending their children to these environments. I can't believe it. Again, schools invited in the problem, and now this is their so-called solution to said problem, is to waste over 125 some odd thousand dollars on these useless pouches which actually lock their phone away on their person. This is not like one pouch for an entire classroom. They have to have their phone in this pouch in their own backpacks, essentially, throughout the entire course of the day. And they, and, and they assume what? Somebody else holds the key to the pouch? It's beyond confusing, but that's the problem. That's the problem it's beyond confusing because it is confusing and it's stupid. People should have free access to their phones and learn how to use them appropriately as an educational device and be taught how to do that. You have to model the positive behavior as a school teacher and model the cell phone as being an instructive tool and teach them media literacy instead of screwing around and doing whatever else that they're doing on their cell phones all day long. But keep in mind, again, your cell phone was initially designed to be a security device, essentially. That's what the car phone was for. It was so that you could handle business while you were driving, but also, again, as a security measure. I'm pulled over on the side of the road or I got a flat tire or my engine blew out or whatever else. I mean, that was the initial intent. Now, we know that there were long-term plans regarding the evolution of cell phones, but now it's gotten to the point where the school environment is the only place in America where you're not allowed to use a cell phone. And again, I'm not saying, of course, that minors don't misuse cell phones. They clearly do, and and we know they misuse them on a day-in and day-out basis. But employing something like this, a a draconian lockdown of their own cell phones by employing a Separate device that, again, keeps them from even reaching into or touching their cell phone. It, it, I mean, that right there is an addictive behavior in itself. That you're, that you're relying on these massive companies and this wasteful spending in order to get compliance. How about you just look at the student population and say, stay off of your cell phones. Just stay off of them. If our discipline numbers go up and we have policy specifically for cell phone use if you're caught with pornography or somebody says that you were watching pornography or somebody says that you were taking inappropriate pictures of somebody else or somebody else says this that or the other then we're going to use this policy against you we might confiscate your phone and we're going to we're going to have a parent conference see they could do all of that and that doesn't cost any money there's no expense in any of that but the people on this board are all leftist octogenarian whack jobs for the most part. And the vast majority of them are women. And they're employing all of these devices to be a Band-Aid on a gushing artery. How about you just get down to brass tacks, because this is the way that it works in a working environment. In a working environment, if you're working for someone who says, I need you off of your cell phones right now, we're in a meeting. Everybody practices self-control, and they don't reach for their cell phones. They put them on silent, they put them out of sight, put them, out, you know, put them away from themselves, and that's it. But apparently they think that every single student is a crackhead when it comes to their cell phones. I don't, I don't believe that. So again, for, for those that are, I mean it's not a law, but th- those that are polite enough to not consistently stare at their cell phones all day long, in particular while a teacher is attempting to do some kind of valuable instruction, which we know isn't happening anyway, uh why why even have this wh- why even have it seems like it's being applied unfairly and again not to mention just the hypocritical nature of the whole thing say for example a real school shooting took place and these children needed to contact their parents immediately or dial 911 they can't now they can't this right here again i'm sorry it just continues to prove the stupidity of these people they're wasting their time on things that have Something to do so they think with instruction, but at the same time, they apparently don't have school teachers that have a brain in their skull to be able to talk to at a very human level, their own students, about using a cell phone during a conversation and how that's just rude. I mean, apparently they can't even talk to their students about manners. So, don't worry. A Velcro jail cell or a magnetic lock jail cell for their cell phone will uh, get the kind of compliance that we're interested in. Uh, It's just nuts. These people have lost their minds. They've lost the plot. Okay. There was this too. This is a bit odd also. Um, The Oklahoma superintendent for schools and for education there in Oklahoma, he's a rather based guy. But at the same time, he thinks he can fix the education system. Well, jokes on him, he can't. But either way, he's decided apparently to appoint uh, Chaya Ratchik, the libs of TikTok gal, to be on the Oklahoma Library Media Advisory Committee. So she's apparently going to be on this committee in a state where she doesn't even live, um, reviewing, again, the kinds of textbooks that exist within the either curriculum itself or the kinds of books specifically that exist within the libraries themselves, or again, maybe even the kinds of computer programs that exist that are teaching degeneracy to students and children. I mean, okay, I guess, but you you shouldn't have to make a move like that with someone who's never been in the business, who is in real estate, if memory serves, and has a Twitter account. I mean, this is you know, again, what is happening here? What are we doing? Is this a popularity contest? Is he bringing her in because she again is is qualified to do anything outside of having an opinion? She's she's a self described Zionist. I mean, what 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 <laughs> what's what, what's going to happen with this? Again, is she even qualified? I I don't think so. Again, having a, an opinion doesn't qualify a person for. For such a position, how about you actually reach out to, you know, book authors in the field of education who have been talking about education being corrupt for a very long time, rather than, again, somebody who shows up on Twitter and has a lot of followers on Twitter. Again, I'm not even saying that a person has to be in the education business or previously in order to comment or have a take on such, you know, such a topic, but at the same time, the, the, the problem is way bigger than books in school. Yes, that's a problem, no doubt about it, but think of the kinds of books that Chaya Ratchik isn't going to allow inside of the the libraries based on her Zionist opinion, in particular when it comes to actual history. I mean, we can take a pretty good guess as to which books she's not going to want in there. So be careful what you wish for there, Oklahoma superintendent, because it might not go the way that it actually needs to go. And it's the illusion of freedom, it's the illusion of protection. it's the illusion of choice. Just wish that people would keep that in mind moving forward, but they seem to be uh, forgetting that from time to time. Okay, here's what I want to play now. I want to play some audio from the last Oxford Community School District board meeting, specifically the public comments section. And uh, again, you can hear the anger in these people's voices, and rightfully so there's an individual, again, who actually speaks out at the end, and he just starts yelling from the crowd. And he starts leaning into the board members, and he, again, basically says, hey, look, I'm just here to listen, but, you know, I'm not even here to speak, but I'm just going to speak up now. You know, you you are some of the dumbest humans on the face of the planet. I mean, he he just goes right after him, and it really is glorious. But what's interesting about the meeting as a whole is you hear these individuals, again, they're doing whatever they can do to paint their school district in the brightest light. And it really is pathetic. It truly is. Because again, they're just so far removed from reality that when they go into the business of, you know, sort of their day in and day out policy procedures, programs that they have, student successes, and I'm putting huge finger quotes around that, they're always spending more time on that as opposed to what they're doing actually to look competent in the in, in the eyes of the people who still attend. And I'm shocked that anybody continues to send their, their children here. This district is an absolute embarrassment. So there's two sections for public comments. There's usually one somewhere toward the beginning of the meeting and then one toward the end. Uh, I'm going to play this for you, and I'm going to play both sections. So give this a listen. It really, <laughs> again, You can hear the disdain in these people's voices. They can't stand this this board at all, and it really is beyond evidence. So give this a listen here in three, i
4: I'd like to start with some points of pride. Our precious students and our teachers are the best thing we have going. I'm proud to be associated with students like Dylan that just spoke and advocated to protect the animals. That's very cool. Um points of pride are remembering the memories of the beautiful lives of hannah madison justice and justin and tate who were needlessly killed at oxford high school i'm thankful for the new effort to settle lawsuits and complaints of the victim's families have you board members read the communications between your attorneys Giramarco, mullins horton In the Michigan Attorney General's office blocking the Honorable Attorney General Dana Nessel from investigating November 30th, just weeks after the shooting. She would have done it for free at no expense to our district. Attorney General Dana Nessel made multiple attempts to investigate, but was repeatedly rejected. This leads into the problem of our board members Heather Schaefer and Mary Hanser making an active effort to cover known board failures leading up to the terrorist attack at Oxford High School and ending in the murder of Hannah, Madison, Justin, and Tate, wounding many others and leaving this community without justice for over two years now. Then Heather Schaefer and Mary Hanser hired the guidepost investigation wasting $3 million in two years in a failed effort to cover up their crimes against this community. Less than 40% of the school's employees cooperated with the guidepost investigation because Heather and Mary did not make employee cooperation a term of employment. Even still, the guidepost investigation report exposed the failures of board members, Heather and Mary, our superintendent, our principal, Stephen Wolf, high school security, including SRO, administration and high school counselors in your new lawsuit against the district insurance company your new insurance company uh, in your new lawsuit against the district insurance company our new district attorneys that you just hired at the last meeting perkins and coy used information from and references from the guidepost report even though district employees insist the investigation is not credible and is subjective when will the people named in our report take action and remove every name every person named in the guidepost report we need a superintendent that will not only educate but also protect the interests of our students and teachers in the fallout of November 30th, not continue the effort to distract and ignore critical issues of security and accountability for at-will employees, beginning with Stephen Wolfe. Heather and Mary, when did you vote publicly to reject our Honorable Attorney General Dana Nessel?
0: Now, first of all, a couple of things with this guy. This guy keeps showing up at, at all of these meetings, and he's speaking at all of these meetings. I don't know this guy's background. Dana Nessel is not honorable. There's nothing about her that is. She's as dirty as dirty gets. She again did offer to provide some kind of an investigation into the district's happenings initially. Uh the belief was is that she too was going to cover up for the district, but I don't think that the Guidepost report does that as he in fact stated. So he kind of contradicted himself too when it came to the Guidepost report. He said, "Well, the Guidepost report Downplays the issue, but at the exact same time blames the board, the the principal, school employees, the counselor, et cetera, et cetera. It 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 can't do both. I mean, it's it, it's either a fraudulent document or it's legit. Again, having read it, I don't think it's fraudulent at all. It's it's rather damning, as as I wrote in the Substacks and said on Jesse's show, and I've said here, is that it. It's a clear indictment of the entire education apparatus as it sits in America, not just within that district, but all over the place. So again, he's he's clearly confused. He could be a leftist. Who knows? Either way, let me get to the end here. This is where a guy immediately from the crowd starts yelling and, and basically just screaming at the board and just giving them hell. And again, he interrupts the board in the middle of their in the middle of their regular business toward the end here, but I want to play his comments too because they're interesting. So give him a listen here in three, two, one.
5: Coming up, um, there'll be, there's several different ones, I and I apologize, I meant to grab the list off my counter and I forgot it, but there are a few that are listed here in the scheduled activities that are for the community. There is one for students that's different, um, and then staff that is also separate from that. So there's three different options. One of them is virtual for those who can't attend the in-person ones, and the virtual ones can be attended by students as well. Um, it's not rate limiting to them. Yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to make sure to point those out. So February 7th and 8th are the in-person ones, and then February 18th, and the reason it's not that same weekend is because that evening was the Super Bowl, and we didn't think we'd get a lot of participation on Super Bowl night. So it is February 18th. Um, Any administrative clarification? Yes, I do. I I really need to clarify how per-pupil funding comes into the district. Um. The state, as you saw in the report, uh, gives us 9000 uh per student.
1: And uh, I'll finish my clarification, please. I'm a really community that have never done. But that was real I've been in a lot of this community since 1989.
6: i got three kids that came to this school system. It's very disrespectful, stuff like that stuff that i've been watching online things like that that brings me to this meeting now you know i know i'm supposed to fill up this thing right here didn't know i was supposed to but the fact of the matter is for you that i've been watching for a few years now i got three kids that came through this school and i got a son that was in school and a half that's smart ass you ought to resign i'm listening to people around this community you people that are involved should resign okay excuse me one question i'm a a tax-paying citizen person and I just want to make a couple comments one is very good point i came in here for my kid getting an award last month i'm like wow this is amazing i'm excited but i see all these other peers and i got security 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 everywhere damn that's a lot of money you all don't need that much security you're not that important to be honest with you. you're not that important so you know Do something for the kids and the families that lost me. If you do anything in your life ever again, do something for the kids. Don't do it for me here, do it for this guy, this guy that's angry. Do it for the kids, the parents, the family members. You ought to walk home and just resign. I've never seen something so disrespectful people that come here. And I've been sitting here being quiet, just watching, and that's what kind of pissed me off. Something comment like that to somebody out here, it's a tax-paying person, you're supposed to be represented because you're elected official or appointed, whatever it may be. not that fault, but believe me, I will be involved. Ma'am, no disrespect. I'm a tax-paying guy here. I pay my taxes. I pay my dues in school here. I'm going to take a few minutes of my time, of your time. I don't think anybody here really minds of the
5: board, because they can't no, understand. No, that, that is fine. But what I'm hoping is that now that you've been here with us and you understand our procedures, you time, you'll, you'll fill out a card. Office you'll office fill office out office. a card and you'll come in. No thank problem, you. Man. That. Thank you. That's all I need. Yeah. Now, now, is is it okay if I continue with my clarification? I'll finish up real
6: quick. Real quick. The superintendent thing you're doing right now, some craziest stuff I've ever heard. Let's go ask the community. Let's go ask me, my personal opinion, how we're going to hire somebody. So I can bring my own ideologies and my thoughts. And it, is, and it says, why don't you have somebody in the school system that's professional, that's educated, and hire somebody that fits the mold. Don't just hire somebody based on their color or their where they came from or something like that. Hire somebody that's qualified
5: and you will have an opportunity I to talk I want to okay say this, hired by the school to about $100 pays to interview and look at people's credentials and hire the right person for the job we will Ask do that we will you know a million people in this community to give their their advice it's not how you hire somebody so so we have an agreement that next time you'll fill out a card Prompt, okay and now i can no, com- I no n- now you. i can complete my yeah. Okay. Thank you. So there was a statement talked about how per-pupil funding comes into the district, and I really need to correct it. We get $9,000 plus per student. That is for every student that lives here, every student that's in our virtual school, every student who is a school of choice student. And that is funding that this budget relies on.
0: What kicked that off if memory serves and you can kind of you can certainly see some of it on camera is one of the board members is sitting to the left on the left side of the table and somebody again earlier in the meeting asked a question about how much money is spent on each student what the district pays for each individual student and apparently a comment got made either from the board or from someone else and there was an there was an incorrect number or again the person from the crowd mentioned an incorrect number either way the board member on the left not the one that you can hear talking but the one on the left she turns to the crowd and there's not many people in the crowd at all but she turns to the crowd and she looks at the person who asked the question and she puts her right index finger up to her head up to her temple and she turns and she looks at him and she taps on the side of her head and she's, and you can hear her mouth the words are you listening or listen something like that, as if to say, you know, uh, you're about to be corrected on what the real answer is. That's when the guy starts popping off. And he goes, I can't believe how disrespectful you are. I can't believe you would actually do that. I mean, again, just to summarize, you can't fix these people. You can't fix these kinds of environments. These environments are so broken because the people that work within them are so broken that the only way you fix any of this is by walking away. I've gone through the entire process of what that means and what would happen to the entire district as a whole if that were to actually occur. You would have employees begging for students and their parents to bring their students back. They would be going door to door begging for people to come back into the building and these buildings. Again, walking away is the only answer here. Bankrupting these people is the only answer and the only way. This actually leads me to something else and another avenue in a lot of these council meetings I think that needs to be brought up. First of all, and I have some more audio to play, not from that meeting, but this is actually from a a Texas city council meeting. And this is making the rounds and and it should. It's got over half a million views on this guy's Particular YouTube channel, which is called Harvey Freebird, and this is out of uh, Aranasis Pass, Texas. If I'm not, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, either way, what you have is is you have a, a citizen in this particular town, and he shows up to the lectern during a city council meeting, and he starts lecturing all of the different members of the council for their again, immoral behavior and misspending. And spending taxpayer money on buying suits and going on trips that have nothing to do with anything other than again just wasting wasting money, and this particular member again uh, of the of the town he, uh, he immediately starts cursing at all of these members. Well, the mayor of the town doesn't like that. well, as it turns out, it doesn't matter what the mayor thinks. free speech is free speech any way you slice it, and what the council doesn't know is that there is a lawyer in the room who represents this guy who comes up to the lectern and is cursing at all of the city council members. And as soon as they throw out the individual who, again, is is cursing at the, the city council members, immediately very uh, the very next person up to the lectern is this guy's lawyer. And it was clearly a setup job where they were, again, going after the city council, but he gets up to the lectern then, this this Texas lawyer, and he runs through case law after case law after case law regarding freedom of speech and how you can't kick people out of meetings for expressing themselves. So again, if you want to curse at the top of your lungs in a, in a city council meeting or a school board meeting, you get to. You have the right to do that. There's not a single policy, procedure, or motion or rule that the board or any city council can have in place that keeps you from exercising your First Amendment rights. They also can't kick you out of these meetings. In particular, I should say, if you're speaking during your time, if you're speaking during your allotted time, you can speak on any issue you want. So I'm going to play this in its entirety but this lasts approximately 7 minutes. And again, the first person you're going to hear is the citizen who lives in the town who comes up and starts giving all of the council members and the mayor absolute hell because clearly they're just a bunch of dirtbags. And he he even again leans into uh one of the police one of the heads of the police department, either the police chief or whoever it may be, but again, there's there's plenty of cops in the room. And then he gets escorted out of the room, and then immediately he hands his papers and his speech to his lawyer. And his lawyer then takes it and walks right up to the lectern and starts leaning into all of them based on all the laws that they've broken. So again, just moving forward, if a person is going to continue to speak in city council meetings and you're going to continue to speak at school board meetings, you get to anytime you want. That there's no, again, policy and procedure does not trump constitutional law. Now, again, if they have a particular allotted section where you're allowed to talk, well, then that's the, that's the time when you're allowed to talk. But regarding limiting your free speech, they can't do it legally. In fact, if you were to transcribe and have transcribed any audio, it would have to be what the lawyer actually says. Because like I said, he goes through case law after case law after case law. And this would be a perfect example of something to have ready uh, in writing, essentially. So if a person, again, were to show up at a meeting, you would be able to ring off these case laws in the Supreme Court law, one after the other, and just embarrass the absolute hell out of anybody trying to infringe on your First Amendment right. So give this a listen here, highly entertaining, in three, two, one.
3: Jason Falwell, one of the only people in the room that tells you the truth. Uh, By the way, your citizen's comment stuff is that you can do everything you just said is not against the law. Uh, I can personally affront you because you do whatever I want, and you have to listen to me because you work for me. You need to remember that, boy. All right. Chief Blanchard. Chief Blanchard, 1247. You okay. he spent... Hey, no. Excuse me?
7: Excuse I just read, me. I just read you. The and first you're wrong. you're lying okay. in the public. I'm not going to put up. I'm not going to put up with any, any different mission of character. That's not different mission of fact. I, I don't care. And you have to care. I'm not going to put up with no profanity or anything. You either act like an adult and speak right to everybody that's here, and you have the privilege to speak your mind for privilege. three minutes. You work to I'm me, say, boy. You need to remember that. Go
3: ahead. That's your ahead. warning. Okay, I'm telling you now. Rewind my clock while I finish my statement. Go ahead. Thank you, sir. Chief Blanchard. Twelve hundred and forty-seven dollar fitted suit you stole from the company, from us. You work for us. Mm. On 9-10-23. Carrie Shrugs. You lied to the public. Carrie Shrubs on Facebook stated that these personally fitted suits was pre-approved by the council and manager of two thousand eleven. Jason Knight's dad was that man, man. was that mayor then. Guess what he said, Carrie? Never approved that. Laugh at me all you want. Modifications to the policy manual took place almost forty days after I complained about him. Y'all modified it. Why did y'all modify it? You know when it was modified before, Kerry? Not 2011. I do. 2019, 2014, 2004. You lied to the public. Even with the recent modifications, a Class A uniform is the highest uniform APPD has. And it is not a suit, you scumbag. Uniform Class A. Did you have a dress hat? No, you did not. Long sleeves. Did you, ha- did you have that? Yes, you did. Tie, uh, Yes. Trousers. Yes. Skirt. I mean, maybe. Mister Mayor. Black belt. I'm talking. It's my turn a to talk.
7: Attack once again, Mayor.
3: These. Will you? I don't give a crap what you say. These. Okay. No. Know. There it is again. I can talk <laughs> like that. Go. It's a First uh, Amendment you right. violated The uh, rules of the court. You're the first to Right? I violate. Oh, no. I'm not. He's the I'm not gonna deal Tell with me. It. I'm not. What, what? What First Amendment right did I violate? I'm not. You're either going to respect this place or you're going to be asked to walk out. Am I under the of arrest? You're going
7: to go to jail if you I'm going to you know. be arrested. Fine. fine. Okay. Mr. Mayor, City Council, my name is C.J. Grisham. I'm a civil rights attorney here in Texas. And uh, what I just witnessed was a violation of Mr. Falwell's rights. Uh, let me read something to you. Arresting someone in retaliation for the exercise of free speech rights is sufficient to chill speech as an understatement. This is Beck v. City of Upland. Uh, arguing even if done loudly with a profane or offensive language will language will not in and of itself constitute disorderly conduct that's pain v Polly. swear words do not provide probable cause for an arrest for disorderly conduct because the words as a matter of law are not fighting words johnson v campbell i could go on mr mayor your rules of decorum Are unconstitutional and they're setting the city up, you individually, you individually for liability. Now, you will be seeing a letter from me, a demand letter for violating my client's rights just
1: now because he has the right to say whatever. He has the right to say all of those words because it is
7: a First Amendment right. You can't do anything about it. Let me tell you something the law has long established that arresting an individual for publicly displaying vulgarities violates the First Amendment. That's the Cohen case, 1969. Indeed, the Supreme Court recently held that a public school violated the free speech
1: rights of a cheerleader by suspending her when she said things like school, softball, cheer, everything. Then there was another, that's Mahoney
7: Area School District v. BL. Uh there's also HSV Steelman saying that a police officer was not entitled to qualified immunity for arresting a plaintiff who said you did you hear that?
1: Here we
7: go. No qualified immunity. So I can say throughout my entire three minutes, I can say again, and I can say again, and there's nothing you can do about it because it's called expressive speech. We are allowed to express ourselves. We are allowed to talk about what we think about you if i think you mr mayor are a tyrant okay. i can say that if i think the city manager is a piece of shit,
2: i can okay, say no, that it's I'm protected not, this is, okay. is the case law well, i don't give a shit cars. what you, you think as the law is like you escort me out i'll sue you as well mr mayor you can do
3: whatever
7: you want this is the law no, right no, here no, and if these no, chiefs no, come no, out, no,
3: out no, here
7: no,
1: and you had better
7: read this chief because he's telling you to break the law no i'm not yeah you can take him now, out. Now, where would that you coward carry scrubs go? You go out. Where did the coward carry scrubs no, go? Take him out. Is you're my three minutes no, up? You're going. Is, no. gone. is no. my what you're am, gone. Gone what am I gone violated. for? What am I gone for? No, no. Uh, I, he I he got got you the, violated. Violated the law. you're going to go to jail for this. Oh, you're going to arrest me? Oh, you're going to arrest me? Okay, so
6: under the threat of
1: arrest, you just fire
0: right. All right, I'm going to stop it there. What he does, of course, is he also records himself. C.J. Grisham, the lawyer, he records himself the whole time on on his phone, on video. He goes outside. He's ushered outside. He's standing out there with his client who, sp- who spoke before him. And he goes one at a time down the list of all the police officers that are standing there. And there's at least seven, eight, maybe even nine of them all standing there. And he goes, name, badge number, spell it, name, badge number, spell it. And he's writing all of their names and badge numbers down. He doesn't, I mean, I, I, it's perfect. It's absolutely beautiful. What these people don't understand and what these cops don't understand, and this is part of the civil war that I've brought up here before on the show, this is part of the civil war that's going on. These cops are blindly following orders, not the law. Orders aren't the law. The law exists. Cops aren't lawyers. They don't know what the law is, by and large, which again is why They do what they do, and lawyers do what they do. But this lawyer had all of them in a vice immediately, and it was amazing. And I hope he sues all of them, including the mayor. He should sue the chief of police, who was the person who escorted both of them out. Because, again, as he's openly stated, unlawful threat to arrest is a crime, that you can't do that. You can't say, Well, I'm going to arrest you if you keep talking. Well, it was his allotted time to talk. He can say whatever he wants. I just wanted to play that for you because, again, this is happening in towns and cities all over the United States now. These council members and mayors across the United States can't be more corrupt. They can't be. And if it's proved anything, if the last three and a half, four years have proved anything, it should be that they don't even need to exist. These positions are useless. City, show me a city manager and I'll show you a useless position. I'll even show you a useless person who inhabits said useless position. It's beyond crazy. But again, this is the Civil War. This is what's happening. These particular committees and councils are using law enforcement to be the enforcers against we the people for speaking lawfully. Again, you heard me mention in a previous school board meeting in the town where I live where the president of the board warned the individuals beforehand to keep it related to school related matters. I think that's what that's ultimately what she said. And then a senior in high school who's in charge of their Bible study group there that meets every now and again, he shows up with a Bible, walks up to the microphone, and says he wants to read a couple of passages. Now it was pretty evident that he was wanting to read a couple of passages based on the overriding of the uh of of Governor Mike DeWine's veto, essentially, again, regarding all the transgender genital mutilation nonsense. That particular senior in high school stands on the right side of history, where clearly the board members don't, because the board members were openly uh, disappointed over the fact that, uh, you know, it was, that the veto was, was being overridden or being considered to be overridden at the time. But she openly said, you know, keep your comments to school-related matters and then he start he uh, again attempted to start to read a couple of passages from the bible and she told him to stop and said you it has to be school related we're a non-denomination school and blah 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 he had the constitutional right to say whatever he wanted whatever he wanted doesn't matter but again this right here has to do with people not knowing their rights and then again board members and adults bullying other individuals into believing that they know what's best or that they know the law they don't know the law. That's why they sit in these positions. They're addicted to power, and they don't know that the very position that they're actually inhabiting is one that a cat and a dog actually have within towns across the United States. There are dogs who are mayors of towns. They don't know this. I mean, <laughs> that's that's a, that's a real thing. But that right there, again, proves that these people are out to lunch. So know your constitutional rights, know what you have the ability to do and say no matter what, and stick to it. Stick to it every single time. Okay, couple of jab-related things here, couple of dates to pay attention to. We'll see what happens around these dates and certainly after, but the pandemic treaty or one of the revisions in the pandemic treaty for the WHO, of course, Tedros was out there, uh, Initially claiming again that all of this is conspiracy theory, that they're going to get all these governments and government agencies to just comply with them or else. He said it's all fake and all conspiracy theory. Okay, whatever. It's very real because they've already done it before, but apparently on January 27th is when some of their decisions start to become finalized. And then, of course, it's not until May 27th when uh, they reconvene and ultimately make some kind of a decision. I, I think that. Regardless of the pushback and the amount of awareness that exists regarding all of this, they're still going to do whatever it is that they're going to do. And if that means that they have to manufacture some biological weapon or some response to said biological weapon between now and then in order to initiate the response sooner than maybe May 27th, then they'll probably do that. They're tyrants after all. And that's what they want for us. And that's what they have planned. So we'll certainly pay attention to that one way or another. Uh this is another interesting one and it has to do with the CDC being forced by the court to release documents starting on February 15th and then the 15th of every month going forward. Let me read this very quickly here. This is from CNR I'm sorry scnr.com and it is titled Federal Judge Orders CDC to Release Data on 7.8 Million COVID Vaccine Adverse Event Reports. Information must be published within a year on a rolling basis with the first batch due out February 15th. Now, again, is this going to be new? I mean, it's it's new to us. It's new to the public. It's a new document. And instead of coming from Pfizer directly, it's coming from the CDC. So again, this is going to show the CDC's compliance, rather, and certainly their direction in this entire cover-up. And again, it too has to do with the vSafe application, where individuals, again, could type in their, their adverse reactions, so to speak, certainly on a limited basis within this app, which, again, was limited by the CDC itself, and then censored and hidden and uh, shadow banned and a thousand other things within the app itself. So either way, it says that the CDC must now produce all free text responses. Within the registrant number, personal identifying information redacted by January 15th. So that's already happened. But the disclosures must be made in 12 separate batches by the 15th of each month with the first batch again due out on February 15th. When that happens, I'll I'll again do my best to look through those documents and see what I can bring to everybody's attention on this show. And there you go. Again it's you're talking about technology fraud also with the Vsafe uh application and uploading program and again the CDC's way of taking in these adverse reactions and I'm sure deleting the more serious ones while keeping some of the more benign ones around. So either way we'll we'll see what happens regarding all of that. This is the last one here from the exposé and it simply asks the question in the title will disease x be leaked? in 2025. You heard me bring this up again in a previous show. I don't think this is real. I certainly know that it's a scare tactic. Uh, Again, they've done things like this before. They certainly did it with the whole COVID lie because that doesn't even exist. But again, based on a timeline of events here, it it, it begs the question, are they going to ramp this up this year to only release it as soon as perhaps Donald Trump takes over again and then use this as some justification to lock people down or close people off from their businesses and, again, create more uh, global chaos to some extent. I think time will tell on that. But being aware of it, I I think, certainly matters, and understanding what the enemy's plans are certainly matters. But either way, it says here in the article, quote, a new contagion will likely be born in 2025. The media is already preparing us for it. And again, even in Davos, they had a section or a discussion called Preparing for Disease Acts, a hypothetical new pandemic predicted to kill 20 20 times more people than COVID-19. Again, it's premeditated murder one way or another. Again, whether it be hospital policy or other policies, um, keeping people away from drugs, a variety of other things, they know exactly what they're doing. I think it was upwards of 90% of all of the fake COVID patients that uh, that passed away, they all died in the hospital. Again, it was hospital policy that was killing these people. It wasn't. It was it, you know it, it wasn't some COVID. Again, the cure existed. Well, you know we don't give that out here, and we, we can't give your your husband or wife or child or family member ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. But uh, you know w- w- we need to shove a tube down their throat, and and that's the best way to fix them. Well, as we know, that didn't work out for 90% of them. So either way, there's this particular piece of audio too that I wanted to play very quickly. This sounds like Dr. James Thorpe to me. It might not be, so don't quote me on that. But this specifically is them talking about a particular chart regarding, again, the illness and the death rate specifically regarding the shots. This particular slide, and I don't know where this originated from, but It is titled Pfizer 5.3.6 Post-Marketing Data, and it's listed as page 7, and it says the deadliest vaccine medicine drug ever rolled out in the history of medicine. 1,223 deaths in a 10-week period from December 14th of 2020 to February 28th of 2021. Historically unprecedented Pfizer with criminal and fraud judgment of $2.3 billion by the DOJ in 2009. And then it says, search Pfizer 5.3.6 PHMPT post-marketing data. Give this audio a quick listen in 3, two, 1.
1: This is the deadliest drug ever rolled out in human history by Pfizer's own legally mandated 90-day rollout. Pfizer 5.3.6. Anybody can get a copy of this now because a federal judge, 14 months later, everybody in the world had it. Uh, But 14 months after that, it was dropped on April Fool's Day 2022. Uh, This is the same document here. I want to bring your attention. It's not only the deadliest drug ever rolled out in human history, it is by far and away the most injurious drug. And I've calculated this from Pfizer's own data. You see an injured to kill ratio. Pay attention to that injured to kill ratio, because I can make an argument that it's that what the citizens, global citizens, that were killed, that might be better off instead of living a lifelong permanent torture and disaster of injury. Injured to kill ratio, thirty-three point four. This is not. Dr. Paul's data. This is not Dr. Paul's data. This is not Jim Thorpe's data. This is Pfizer's own data. It's important to look at the historical perspective of these three events that I've outlined on this slide. The first event, World War II, the terminal part of World War II, we look at Oppenheimer. And what he did in New Mexico, creation of the atomic weapon, it was deployed in Nagasaki and Hiroshima in August, about three days apart, both cities. We see that there were 94,000 injured, there were 105,000 killed, the injured to kill ratio 0.9. You look at the middle column, here to the deadliest drug ever released in medicine before this more lethal. It was thalidomide. And you look at uh, the experts that have reviewed this, there were 20,000 injuries and 80,000 deaths for a uh, injured to kill ratio of 0.25. Now, fast forward to 2021. Fast forward to Pfizer, Orla, Moderna, Ansel. They've killed 17 million global citizens. They've killed 17 million global citizens. Now, some experts, like that's from Dr. Rene D'Ambora, a world expert with his team, uh, and there are many other experts around the world that would agree with that. I am one of them. I've reviewed this very carefully. Uh, Some might decrease that risk a little bit. Some might increase it. But how do we get the amount injured? Easily. We take Injured to kill ratio of Pfizer. It turns out the Brian Dresden, the, the uh, Cody Hudson, all those other severe injured people. 567 million global citizens have been injured for a total of 585 million global citizens killed and injured. Don't have time to review this slide, but I've done all the research. Uh, Thalidomide, we know, is 100% lethal or injurious if administered during the pregnancy at the right time. This is a chart of uh, the events that I alluded to earlier portraying the injure-to-kill ratios. Look at them. The atomic bomb, Normandy invasion, Vietnam War, Iraq War, Ukrainian War, thalidomide. They all pale into comparison with the injured to kill ratio and it's not because this vaccine didn't kill enough people it's because of the unprecedented injury rate
0: again i would just take it one step further and i would say that this that this number of 17 million dead is so far that's the so far number and that is an estimate and that in my opinion it's a low ball estimate The bigger number to be more fearful of, I think, and certainly be more aware of, is the 567,800,000 injured. These are people who, again, are still alive and struggling as a result of the jabs, or they've been poisoned and they don't know yet the long-term impact that these shots are going to have on them. When this is all done with, And I mean absolutely done the number of of deceased as a result of these shots, not to mention those numbers only came from two of the shot companies, not all four that existed or the more that exist now, but just two. You can double all of those numbers and assume that it's that much also. We know that Pfizer was the one that was received the most, of course. But at the end of the day, when this is all finished, you're looking at upwards of probably a billion individuals, at least I'd say. That's going to be a noticeable amount. And again, that could be in the next few years. It could be longer than that. As you've heard me say again, this is behaving a lot like HIV, even though HIV doesn't exist. It's behaving a lot like the damage of any shot. That impacts your DNA specifically it embeds itself and then it has a time release and that time release again can open up eight years, nine years after taking the shot, maybe even ten years but again it's going to impact the individual no matter what so again you've heard me say before I'm not in the camp of, of saline solution I don't think that was that was dished out there may have been particular areas or pockets of, of countries that receive saline on purpose, but having saline out there among the widespread population of people who took it, I, I have zero proof of that. Zero proof. So either way, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to get back to the crumbly trial here. Again, if you're interested in watching it, it is on the Law and Crime Trials channel on YouTube. I'll have more to bring you on Monday regarding this, and there you have it. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend, and I'll catch you on Monday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless.